This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I am Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with Tyler Hurley. Yep, I'm here in the flesh. In the flesh. That's good. I'm glad yep. I'm glad you're in the flesh. It's like just appearing here. That'd be awkward if you weren't. It was just like a, a voice I'm hearing and and you're not here in the flesh. So yeah. I'm glad that your flesh is here and I'm glad that your soul is here. Everything is I'm here. I'm glad everything is presently across the microphone from me. That's good. Yep, I'm here presenting it all. Good. Well, thanks, Tyler. Thanks for being the total package here on the podcast. <laughs> well, we're happy to be with you guys today. Uh, the topic for today is going to be, is the Bible full of errors and contradictions or is it not? But before we get to that, our coffee tip. Yeah. Now, again, we have been giving coffee mugs away for a few weeks now. And mm-hmm. if you send in a coffee tip to us and we use it on the air, we will immediately, well, maybe not immediately, but soon we'll send you a coffee mug in the mail. You will receive the most beautiful, glorious coffee mug you've ever had in your life with our logo on it. And oh, you yeah. can proudly display it. If you receive one of these, please take a picture of yourself sipping some beautiful coffee from it and post it on social media. Tag us in it so that uh, we can see you enjoying coffee from our coffee mugs. And uh, we can also show other people what they could have if they would send in a coffee tip yes. that we will use on the air. So, and they turned out pretty cool, too. I like the design on the mugs. I really like them. I was drinking out of uh, my coffee mug this morning, and I really like it. It's uh, it's, it's got a nice feel. It's got a nice weight. It's the perfect coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> There's another tip. I'm probably biased. So yeah. Anyway, well, today's tip, you ready for this? The I'm person gonna... winning the mug is named Matt. Matt sent us, he actually sent us a couple of tips, but the one we want to talk about today is about coffee grounds, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever uh, I make coffee, you know, I grind it, I put it in the coffee maker, in the French press, or in the espresso machine, whatever, and then I run some water through it, and then you got to clean your coffee maker or your coffee, you know, your French press, whatever you're using, and I just dump the the grounds into uh, the trash. Matt says don't do that. He why says, not? Well, why not, Matt? Well, he, <laughs> says that, he says that coffee isn't just for drinking, but that coffee grounds can be used in gardening in a couple of different ways. One of the ways, he says, is wow. by putting them directly on your soil because some people think that it actually drives away pests from, from destroying your plants. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a natural pest repellent. Yeah, you don't have to spray them with all these chemicals. You yeah. can just use some nice coffee. Um, but he says another reason he uses them is because they're very acidic. There's a lot of acid in coffee oh, grounds. Yeah. And it works as a really good acidic fertilizer, especially for plants, obviously, that favor acidic soil, like rose bushes. So oh. rose bushes grow in acidic soil, and coffee grounds are perfect for growing rose bushes. Matt even says he himself does that with his rose bushes. So he applies it. He applies it. Yeah, see, he's not just saying a coffee tip. He actually lives this. See, this is how you guys should be with apologetics. You should, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You should, take it, you should, you should not only say it, but you should do it. That's a we're great hearers point, of the Tyler. word, but we're also doers. Matt is a hearer and a doer, and an, he's a coffee ground soil evangelist. Exactly. Because he's also telling That's us great. That's about great. how to do it. That is how we should be with apologetics. Good point, Tyler. <laughs> we get on the show right there. Let's That's close it. Up shop, see ya. Come Have back next week. week. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Matt, thanks so much for, for that tip. Um, he also says that, you know, you need to get a lot of grounds, and it, it might be hard just if you're doing one pot of coffee a day or whatever. But you can actually go to Starbucks or other coffee shops, and they give away their used coffee grounds. I mean, because they're yeah. just going to throw them away. So he said they usually keep them in a bag um, by the counter, and you can just go take them, or you can ask for them, and they have them behind the counter, and they can give them to you. So, Matt, that's a great coffee tip. Um, again, not not just for drinking coffee, but for utilizing the coffee grounds after the delicious beverage has been created from them. So, oh, yeah. Matt, thank you so much for that tip, and we will be sending out your Christ, Col- uh, Christ Culture and Coffee Mug shortly. Yep, they're pretty awesome too. So they are. Make sure you take a picture of yourself and put it on Instagram or Facebook or something. Yeah, and that's the only way you can get one by sending us a coffee tip. Yeah, we're not just giving these things away for nothing. Yeah, we're not even selling them though. You can have one for free. You just gotta send us a coffee tip that we use. That we right? use. That we that use. We we've use. gotten a lot of that's tips. That's very specific. But some of them we've already used, and um, some of them aren't aren't that great. <laughs> so if you, if you want if you want a coffee mug, you got to send us one that's really a good tip that we'll use. So thank you so much again, Matt, for sending that in. Keep them coming. We really appreciate you guys sending those in. So, all right, today's topic, Tyler, the mm-hmm. Bible, full of contradictions. This is a common objection people have. Yes, say, it is. I can't trust that Bible. There's so much that that doesn't match up. So many contradictions. There's so many errors throughout the Bible, and so. How do we approach this? What are some things that we can say when people bring that objection to us? Uh, well, first off, when someone says that the Bible is full of contradictions and errors, I think the first response that we should have is, so what? Who cares? Wait, okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that, that's a good question. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, what I mean by that is because just because something has certain issue, like errors and issues with it, because uh, uh, the Bible, I mean, like it was, it was still written by human beings, but that's Mm -hmm. the same thing as we have with any literature. It's everything Mm -hmm. we have is written by humans. And if something has minor issues with it, does that mean that we discredit everything from it? That's a good point. Yeah, no, we don't yeah. do that with other books. Yeah, if there's a typo in a in a in a college textbook, do you just throw the whole book out? And no, say, you don't. Well, this is worthless because it has an error in it. Yeah, and and of course, like that doesn't mean that the Bible does have contradictions or errors in it necessarily. Sure. But like the point of it is, is if if it does, then what's the point? That doesn't that disprove yeah. all the rest of it. So let's say that yeah. there's one or two. Let, let's say there's even like ten. And they're like, they give you something like, but then they're like 90, 10% of it is contradiction. Let's just say that. Okay. Then and now again, we don't that believe d- that. No, we don't. We don't at all. But, but we're just saying for sake of yeah, argument. Yeah, for sake of argument. Yeah. Let's say 10% of the Bible is error or contradiction. Yeah. Then does that mean that we can just throw out the other 90% that isn't errored in contradiction because. No. Temp- we, yeah. we don't do that with anything else. We, no, we, we don't. We learn stuff from books. Of course. Yeah. Books that have errors in them. Right. How many times have you read something and seen a typo? Oh, uh, quite a few All times. The time, even, right? in, even in like mainstream published books that yeah. I've read as a kid, like I've seen typos in them all the time. Yep. Well, and newspapers have to um, retract certain stories because they print stuff that's not true, right? Yeah. But yeah, does that mean that everything they've ever printed isn't true? Well, that's kind of a stupid position to take. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. So, yeah, I like that idea. If somebody brings this contradiction, you just go, and yeah. that proves what? Now, of course, we, we think we have uh, valid reasons for why we believe that there aren't errors and contradictions in the Bible. Yeah. But for, just for the sake of argument, uh, if there were errors and contradictions, uh, it doesn't necessarily disprove 
It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. disprove because because we still have reliable reasons to believe in the resurrection. Yeah, of right? course. We still have reliable reasons to believe in God's existence. It mm-hmm. doesn't like. It seems like a lot of times when people bring that one up, it doesn't do what they want it to do. Of have course. you seen The Princess Bride? I have. It's you been a that, while. Okay, yeah. remember that Remember that little guy, the bald guy? He keeps saying, inconceivable, inconceivable. Yes. And then at I a certain point, that. the one guy says, I don't think that word means what you think it yeah, means. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do not think that means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> That's Sorry. what I think with this. When people say, oh, the Bible's full of errors, so I can't trust any of it. I go, I don't think that argument does for you what you think that argument does for you. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, that does actually. Because every book we read has mistakes, but it doesn't mean we can't gain insights from it. And even if the Bible has errors, which I don't think it does, but even if it does have errors in it, we can still be extremely confident that Jesus rose from the dead. The history behind that yeah, of course. from the Bible and extra biblical is so strong, right? And now, yeah, and the, another thing we got to realize too is the, the con- errors and contradictions that are brought up that people claim uh, and point to. Like they, it, You'll find a lot of atheists will commonly uh, point to things in Scripture that they believe to be uh, errors and contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um Let's even if you gave it to them that they were, they're not big ticket issues. Like, no, they don't change doctrine. They, they don't, don't change. No, they're they're small things. So really, what this comes down to when when somebody says it's full of contradictions and errors, it's an mm-hmm. attack on inerrancy or infallibility. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you can just throw out this historical document, because like yeah, we, were, we were talking about before, a lot of the Roman literature has miracle claims in it, but we don't throw out. Oh well, we can't know anything about Roman culture and the Roman Empire because they claim miracles occurred. P- yeah, historians they, don't do that. Yeah, they don't discredit. So why do people that. try to do that with the Bible? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. It is a historical document that we can gain insight from. And so, yeah, I don't think that that argument does for them what they think it does for them, right? So mm-hmm. I like that tactic, Tyler. When somebody says it's full of contradictions, you just say, so what? Yeah. And that <laughs> proves... What? Yeah, what does I can that still prove? show you the guy rose from the dead. Of course, yeah. So, so, yeah. so that's the thing. And then um, another thing that another point I want to bring up is mm-hmm. uh, um, one of the main arguments that I've heard uh, from atheists uh, I, um, is that you you'll hear people say sometimes that the Bible cannot be trusted because it was written by authors who are human and they. It was written by- people. Yeah, right? written it's written by, by people, written yeah, by I've men. Heard that. So you can't trust the Bible. It's not written directly by God. It was written by man. Mm-hmm. And but then the thing you got to think about with this is the people who are claiming that they wrote their own books claiming that the Bible can't be trusted <laughs> because yeah. it was written by humans. They're, they're sometimes <laughs> they, they they claim you can't trust things written by people in a book they're writing and you go, wait a second. Are you a person? <laughs> I read this is this a book? Yeah. Then do I trust it? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. All knowledge that we have, I mean, reading books is valuable. Yeah. And, and it, books are written it, by it people, definitely right? Is. And so you can trust things that people write. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole idea. Uh, it's like, you just you can't discredit something just because it was written by human beings. And honestly, mm-hmm. every single human being has error. Yes. Well, and to be fair, what they're attacking is that it's our belief in inerrancy and infallibility. Yeah. Right? That that's the, every word that's is the idea. perfect and that it doesn't contradict itself and that's written by God. That's what they're attacking. But their arguments don't prove that there's no sources of truth in the Bible. Yeah, of course. There's nothing in that. And that's that's the problem is they think that it's a it's a magic wand argument that just erases the Bible from consideration, which it doesn't. Mm. 
Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a good point that, yeah, just because it was written by men. And again, we believe that God inspired those men, right? They don't believe that. Yeah. But even if they're, even if, you know, we, we don't have to show that God inspired these people to, to know that it's a trustworthy historical document in some instances. Mm-hmm. Like the Gospel of Acts alone, there's so many points of truth uh, just geographically in it. The depth of certain um, parts of the Mediterranean Sea that he says this is how mm, deep it yeah. was. We've tested it. It's accurate. So there's truth in the Bible. The question becomes uh, what about the miracle claims, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's with the resurrection. We have really strong evidence that that miracle claim actually occurred. Um, and it's not just because the Bible said so. It's from so many different options, uh, so many different evidences. So, Yeah, of course. One other thing that I think um, is important with this whole argument is what's called the burden of proof. Okay, and, and as Christians, we're really bad at doing what I'm about to recommend. So listen carefully. Uh, when somebody brings an argument against you, um, mm-hmm. what, what an argument is, is it's an opinion, right? They state a claim, and their opinion or their claim should be backed up by evidences, right? Yeah, and reasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. evidences and reasons. And I see, you know, George Washington was the first president in the United States of America. Okay, how do you know that? Yeah. Right? Okay, well, because of this and because of this, and there's this piece of evidence and this piece of evidence, and this book talked about it, and this guy said it back then, and right? And we have we, this painting or like something. Yeah, yeah like we something. have evidence for that, for that claim. Yeah, of course. Right? So whenever anybody makes a claim, they need to have evidences. It's like a roof. My, my, the opinion is my roof, and my reasons or my evidence are the walls that are supporting my roof. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times people make claims... Um, that a roof, uh, that's a roof, but they don't have uh, walls for it. They don't have evidence for it. And this is what's important for us as Christians. When somebody brings an argument against us, which is a claim or an opinion, um, they are responsible for giving reasons for their claim or opinion, right? That's what's yeah. called the burden of proof. The burden of proof is on the person who makes the claim. So how it applies to our topic today, when somebody says... The Bible's full of contradictions and errors. Instead of launching into a three-hour diatribe on why it isn't and proving them wrong, what we should do instead is say, wow, that's really interesting. Here's my Bible. Can you show me where those are at? Yeah. Right? Because they made a claim, and now they need to back up their claim with evidence. The burden of proof is on the person who makes the claim. It's their responsibility to show us why their opinion is true. It's not my Mm -hmm. responsibility to prove their opinion wrong. Because I've done that before, too, where people will uh, make an argument with me against the Bible or in Christianity, but then I feel as though I have the responsibility to tackle on the issue and Mm -hmm. give the perfect answer, when in reality, if they're the one who made the claim, they have to back it up with reasons and evidence to show. They might not even know what you think. Yeah, they they don't. But they said something, and and you can say, wow, that's interesting. How did you figure that out? How did you come to that conclusion? Where do you get that from? Yeah, like who? What what scholarly source did you figure yeah. this out? Like or that stuff like or anything here's, like here's that. Here's a Bible. Can you please show me where these contradictions are at? Anything in and general, listen, yeah. man. If you did that to somebody, what's going to happen most of the time? 
What am I going to say? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I heard a guy on a YouTube video one time say... Uh, well, this atheist once said that yeah. there were contradictions, so I just... I, I There are. Like, just look. Yeah, <laughs> like, and so... Uh, well, me just look. I have looked. I've, yeah. I've read the whole thing cover to cover many times, and I haven't found any. That's the problem I'm having with your claim. So you're saying this is true. I haven't observed it, so can you show me yeah. where these things are at? So that's how you – the burden of proof is on the person who makes the claim. Now, as a Christian, if you make a claim, you know, Jesus rose from the dead, you should be prepared to back up your claim with evidences. Or the Bible's not full of contradictions. You should be able to show people why that that's true. Yeah. But it's not your responsibility to disprove every claim somebody else makes. They need to prove why their claim's true. They need to give reasons for why yeah. their their opinion's right. Realistically, I think uh, when thinking of apologetics, you should be thinking more of how to prove your claims, not disprove other claims. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and an easy way to do that is just ask questions. When somebody says something, instead of getting really mad and go, oh my gosh, you're wrong, and just throwing up all the knowledge you have on them, yeah. take a step back and ask a question. Oh, that's a really interesting view. Why do you believe that? How did you come to that conclusion? Where did you get that idea from, right? Can you show me some other people who believe this and why they believe it? Asking the question will get you so much further in a conversation than than just defending and attacking somebody. And when you do that... Especially like with with this scenario, a lot of times what happens is people say, oh, I can't trust the Bible. That thing's just full of lies and contradictions. I pull my Bible out of my bag and I say, that's really interesting. I have one right here. Can you please show me where those are? Because I'd like to know. And then they'll fumble. Oh, I, I don't know. I just, you know, everybody knows that it's fake and full of contradictions. Well, I don't know that. Can you please show me where? When was the last time you've read it? Well, you know, I haven't really read it. Well, then how do you know there's contradictions in it? <laughs> yeah. Well... Uh, and basically at that point, the person realizes they're just a slogan machine repeating things they've heard other people say yeah. without walls holding up their roof. Mm. And that's when, and this is the best part, typically when a person gets to that point, instead of admitting defeat, they'll ask, well, why do you think it isn't full of contradictions? And then you have an opportunity to show them, this is why I think what I think. Yeah. It, it works good. perfectly. So asking questions to the point where the person then begins to ask you questions is, I think, a, a great tactic in apologetics conversations. Oh, yeah. It, it just works great. I, I, don't, I think that's honestly the best way to handle it. It does. So um, we do want to move into when you ask somebody, hey, can you show me some contradictions? There actually are people out there who've written books saying yes. here are contradictions in the Bible. Yes. And so we want to take a look at uh, one of these supposed contradictions in Scripture um, and see if the claims that are made about it being a contradiction actually hold up. So um, mm-hmm. Bart Ehrman is a, a, a New Testament scholar. He teaches out of um, <clears throat> North Carolina Chapel Hill. Um, he's super smart. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like him, actually. I've watched a lot of his debates. I've read a lot of his books. Um, but he's a, an agnostic leaning towards atheism, and he uh, he basically is saying that the New Testaments – he has a book called Forged, right, mm-hmm. about New Testament documents being forged. Um, one of his books is called How Jesus Became God. Um, and uh, anyway, in, in his book Jesus Interrupted, he makes these claims about – the Gospels, and there being contradictions in them. And so, yes, Tyler, yeah. I think you got a quote from him uh, from that book. Yes, I do, actually, right here. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, in, this, in this book, uh, Jesus Interrupted, on page 47, Bart Ehrman says, 
Nowhere are the differences among the Gospels more clear than in the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. And that's a big claim because the resurrection is really important to me as a Christian. Yeah, right? that's huge. And so if he's saying the contradictions are most evident yeah. in the resurrection accounts, man, that's those are like fighting words almost. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. And if he's right, that's a really big deal. Like that kind of freaks me out a little. Mm-hmm. If there's contradictions around the resurrection accounts. He goes on um, on that on that page, and, and he just explains uh, kind of this idea that, you know, um, who was at the tomb? When did people go to the tomb? Were there two men at the tomb? Was there one man? Was he a gardener? Was he an angel? Yeah. Uh, but he does this whole thing on how many women were at the tomb, right? Um, he asks, you know, was there one? Was there two? Was it Mary and another woman? Was it women who followed Jesus up from Galilee? Who was it? And his, his famous line he always says in his debates and even in his book, he says, well, it depends on which gospel you read. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's casting this idea that the gospels don't even match up with each other and that <laughs> this is the other thing that I think is very interesting. He, he, he's, he's casting doubt on their validity, but he's also implying, and for 2,000 years, nobody has seen this until yeah, that's me. His, right? that's, that's literally his whole argument, yeah. Yeah, nobody's seen this. It's like as, as if Christians reading the Bible for 2,000 years had missed this crazy idea and this, this very easy contradiction to spot. Yeah. So I think we should actually look at the passages from the Bible and mm-hmm. see if what he's claiming is true. Who actually went to the tomb of Jesus and realized he rose from the dead? So uh, we've got the passages. So let's, let's go through the, the, the Gospels, all four Gospels, and read about the resurrection accounts of who went to the tomb of Jesus uh, on that, the, that early Easter Sunday morning. Yes, yes. And so uh, um, right here, this is... Um, just like listed, we ha- we had listed here uh, all the different accounts that Bart Ehrman specifically is discussing in mm-hmm. his in his book, and uh, basically um, we're just going to go through one by one. So uh, John twenty verse one, uh, he claims it says here uh, Mary alone. So because uh, that's what's ri- written, it says uh, John twenty verse one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Okay, and so now, what, what Airman tries to say is only Mary was there. Yes, that's what he says. But but is that what the text says? No. It, it's, it says, yeah. now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. So he's trying to say, see, John claims there was only one woman at the tomb, right? So John, according to Ehrman, says there's only one, even though he doesn't say, now on the first day of the week exclusively, only Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. He just says on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Yeah, or he could have even said Mary Magdalene came to the tomb alone, something like that. Yeah, but he doesn't say she was alone. He just mentions that she came to the tomb. Yeah, of course. And so like that's that's just a very important a distinction to make there when you're reading that. So. Yeah, because it, it, we, we can't make it say what it's not saying. Yeah, so, Okay, well, let's look at the other ones. What's the next one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the next account in, is in Matthew uh, that we have here. It's, uh, so there's Mary and another Mary. And it says in Matthew 28, 1, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Okay, so I don't see a contradiction. Yeah. Yet. However, he would claim that the issue here is that th- that he's claiming that uh, I mean that this is claiming that Mary and and the other Mary are there that there's two people. But that's not a contradiction. A contradiction would be 
and you know Elizabeth came to the tomb and there was no Mary in sight there at all. That's and a then another guy saying Mary came to the tomb. That's a contradiction. Or if it said Mary Magdalene came alone and then the other Mary yeah. wasn't like if it yeah. said she was completely alone and then the other one said actually there was somebody with her that would be a contradiction. But we don't have that. We just have like an additional detail. Yeah. If if I went home from work today. And my wife said, hey, how was work? I said, it was good. She said, who, who was there today? And I said, oh, you know, Steve was there and Trevor was there and, and Dwight. Mm-hmm. And then she slaps me in the face and goes, you liar. I know that <laughs> Jamie was there too. I'd be like, well, yeah, but I wasn't lying to you. I, I just was telling you some of the people who were there. Just because I didn't mention every single person, just, it's yeah. not a lie. It's just like, no, you just mentioned your account of like things that happened. Yeah. Mean, yeah. And it's not a contradiction. No. So, okay, so we've looked at John, we've looked at Matthew, haven't like, seen a contradiction yet, just an additional ha- detail in Matthew. Yeah, like, that's the thing is uh, that you have to realize here is the absence of information is not always a contradiction. A contradiction is, is a specific thing. <laughs> well, yeah. It's that's, saying A equals... Non-A, right? Well, no, no, that's a contradiction. A equals A. A doesn't equal non-A. Yeah, right? that's it's what a contradiction is. A contradiction is, is a contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is just an additional detail that was left out of one book and is added in another. Okay, so we've looked at John and Matthew. What's the next passage? Yes, um, so now we have Mark. Uh, we're okay. going to go over that. Uh, Mark uh, 16.1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene... And Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Okay, so, so we have the two Marys, which is what Matthew said happened, right? Yes. Which the two Marys include Mary Magdalene, who is the Mary mentioned in John 20. Mm-hmm. So she's accounted for in all three. This other Mary is accounted for in Matthew and in Mark. And then Mark also mentions this woman named Salome. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so again, not a contradiction. No. Just an additional detail. Yeah, there's just more added to the information that we already have. It's just you like, know what else is very interesting about this? Yeah. Is that Mark is the first gospel that was written historically. Yeah. And John was the point. last one that was written. So it's not like John didn't know what Mark said. And, yeah. and That's he's contradicting it. He knew yeah. what it said, but he, his purpose in writing isn't to talk about the other Mary and Salome. He wants to zo- zoom in on Mary Magdalene. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's a very important uh, um, distinction to make right there, to remember that Mark was, in fact, written first. Yeah, so it's not like Mark's adding details the other ones didn't. Yeah, He exactly. added the details first, and then the other ones left stuff out. But again, not a contradiction. Of course, yeah. And okay, so, well, what's Luke say? Yeah, Luke in uh, 2355 and then uh, 20 through 241 says, now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Okay, so in Luke, it says the women who came with Jesus out of Galilee followed and they saw the tomb. Yeah. So how is that a contradiction? Because the women who followed him out of Galilee were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. Yeah, those were the women that followed him out. So how is that a contradiction? It's not. That's the thing. That's the thing. Wait a second. 
<laughs> but like Bart Ehrman is is acting like these all there's he, he like the quote you read right there's nowhere else where the differences are so vast as in the gospel accounts of the resurrection right but there's he's, not there's not contradictions yeah. there and and these are ones he 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 brings out right oh he did yeah these are the like specific passages that he brings me, up in his book let me read that quote where he mentions this now that we've looked at the passages this is the quote from Aramin from uh, Jesus interrupted page 48 you ready yeah who actually went to the tomb was it Mary alone as in John 20 verse 1 was it Mary and another Mary, as in Matthew 28, 1? Was it Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of the James, and Salome, as in Mark 16, 1? Or was it women who had accompanied Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem? Possibly Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women, as in Luke 24. Well, yeah, it's all of those. Like, how is that a contradiction? How is that a, a difference? How is that a discrepancy? I don't understand. Well, that's because it's not. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. It's, it seems like they're all in harmony with each other. There's no contradiction here at all. If, if you took this into a court of law, nobody would say, oh, yeah, contradiction. Because they'd well, compare, okay, let's yeah. go over this again. Mary Magdalene was there. All three of them and say well, that. This well, Mary was there. All of them, you know, two of them say that. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's even – I'm glad you brought up uh, – um, the idea of, like, this account in a court of law, Robbie, because, like, even if you think about it um, – you, you look at any single court case, mm -hmm. and if all of the people who they interviewed individually about what happened at a crime scene, if they all give the exact same account to a T, like word for word detailed, mm -hmm. typically that raises suspicion because it sounds like it was a plotted yeah. story. That, they call it collusion, right? Yeah. Like, no, you guys talked and you all got this story together yeah. because people experience things a little different. Yeah. And that's how we do, that's how we do investigations in crime. Like that's a, yeah. that's a common everyday way of doing like detective work. Yeah. Police officers expect there to be minor differences because people have different perspectives. But yeah. um, sometimes even these weird details link and fit together so well and explain one another that they give a bigger picture of what happened versus just uh, everything being exactly detailed the same, right? And that's, and that's exactly what we're seeing right here with these uh, four different gospel accounts is that they're, they're just describing the events yeah. by the way that they wanted to. That's but no just contradiction. Like not, no, just they're not. details are left out of John that are mentioned in the others. Yeah, one of them isn't cl making claims that the other person didn't, like meaning no. like contradicting claims. No, yeah, not at all. One of my favorite things, too, is you know how Aaron says, was it just one woman like John 21 says? <laughs> yeah. And if the dude would have just read one extra verse, it would have cleared it up. I want to read, okay, so John 21 mentions that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Yeah. Bart Ehrman says, Mary Mag he, he's interpreting it as Mary Magdalene exclusively went. Nobody mm -hmm. else was with her, which isn't what he says. But listen to how John actually clears up this whole problem in John 20, verse 2. So let's read. I'm going to read John 20, 1 and 2. All right. Okay. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. <laughs> we do not know. Who's the we? Wow. Maybe is, that's the other women? And this is the only gospel account that that set that only says Mary like 
Yeah, that claims the only Mary. mentions Mary. Yeah, it's not even saying Mary alone, but it just mentions Mary. Yeah, but the then verse in the very right next after verse, it says we. John is saying that no, there were other women with her. Yeah, he's just okay. pointing out Mary in verse one. Anyway, so again, just if you hear claims from people, <laughs> read the verses above and below it, and I'm I'm telling you, it'll clear it up. Yeah. So if, if Airman would have just mentioned that next verse that says, and we do not know where they buried him, mm-hmm. then it clears up the whole problem. It's not a contradiction at all. Even in John, he's saying there were other women who were with Mary. Yeah, and I, it's just so crazy to me, too. Like, you just want to think, like, has anyone showed, like, Bart Ehrman this? It's just well, like, he knows this stuff. He, well, yeah. He, he, he's read like, books, because this isn't a new argument he came oh, up with. Oh, of course These it's are old not. arguments. Yeah. And he knows the we, – we, Christians have already answered these problems but he's selling books you know he, he's writing stuff at a popular level the the sad thing tyler is that our, our society is so biblically illiterate that he can actually make money proposing these preposterous things yeah because people just don't know what the bible says that's i don't case. think he could have said this stuff a hundred years ago because people had read the bible and gone no i know what it says we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, it's it's really more um, of a of an indictment on our culture and where we're at biblically yeah, yeah. than anything. So, but yeah, I think that when somebody claims that there's contradictions, there's a couple of ways we can we can talk about that. One, like you said, so what? What does that mean? It doesn't mean we throw out the whole thing. I can still show you why it's trustworthy in many places. Mm-hmm. Secondly, show me some contradictions. Right, the burden of proofs on them. Here's my Bible. Can you please show me where they're at? Nine times out of ten, they're not going to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do bring up stuff like this, look at the scriptures because uh, it clears itself up. There are not contradictions in scriptures. You can make sense of how these harmonize together. Um, and again, Christians have been reading the Bible for 2,000 years, the New Testament especially, for, right? Obviously for 2,000 years. Yeah. And there's not contradiction. We would have found them. We would have found them. Uh, mm. they're, they're just not there. So we can be confident that the Bible is what it claims to be. It's God's word written by all of these different authors over thousands and thousands of year right, time period. Yeah. Moses was writing, and then uh, John writing the last book of the New Testament. Huge span of time. Men from many different cultures who spoke different languages, and yet this book harmonizes to the point where there's not contradictions in it. Yeah, How can crazy. that be aside from some divine being behind it? Exactly. Yeah. So that's th- those are all great points. <laughs> yep, yeah. I think the fact that the Bible exists proves that a God has to be behind it. It is a phenomenal uh, piece of literature that I think is is really uh, really significant and should give us pause to think about uh, the claims that it makes. So, mm, yeah. so use these arguments with your friends. Um, we we hope that this podcast is beneficial to you and that as you encounter these things in culture and people bring up these arguments that you would be able to recall what we talk about or go back and listen or actually even tell your friend, hey, listen to this podcast. See what these guys are saying and then let's talk about it. Let's go yeah, for please. some coffee. Let's talk through these issues. Um, and um, we hope that, that you're able to, to bring truth into your sphere of influence. Yeah, and then also, again, like we said earlier, remember that um, the burden of proof falls on the person who makes the arguments and the claims. Mm-hmm. So, again, if uh, someone is arguing that there is a contradiction in Scripture, they have to point out the contradiction and they have to give reasons behind it for yeah, why. Absolutely. Yeah, don't let people off the hook by by you taking the burden to prove your point. Yeah. Make them yeah. at least show you some reasons they believe what they believe. It's always a helpful tactic, so... Well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with 
the infleshed Tyler yep. Hurley, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Yes. Have a, have a good lunch. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.